Hey everyone, welcome back to Sin Student Ministries Anchored Podcast. Today we find ourselves in Acts chapter 16. Acts chapter 16 reads, Paul came also to Derbe and to Lystra. A disciple was there named Timothy, the son of a Jewish woman who was a believer, but his father was a Greek. He was well spoken of by the brothers at Lystra and Iconium. Paul wanted Timothy to accompany him, and he took him and circumcised him because of the Jews who were in those places, for they all knew that his father was Greek. As they went on their way through the cities, they delivered to them for observances the decisions that had been reached by the apostles and elders who were in Jerusalem. So the churches were strengthened in faith, and they increased in numbers daily. And they went through the region of Phrygia and Galatia, having been forbidden by the Holy Spirit to speak the word in Asia. And when they had come up to Mysia, they attempted to go to Bithynia, but the Spirit of Jesus did not allow them. So passing by Mysia, they went down to Troas, and a vision appeared to Paul in the night. A man of Macedonia was standing there, urging him and saying, Come over to Macedonia and help us. And when Paul had seen the vision, immediately we sought to go into Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. So setting sail from Troas, we made direct voyage to Samothrace, and the following day to Neapolis, and from there to Philippi, which is a leading city of the district of Macedonia in a Roman colony. We remained in this city some days. And on the Sabbath day, we went outside the gate to the riverside, where we supposed that there was a place of prayer, and we sat down and spoke to the women who had come together. One who heard us was a woman named Lydia from the city of Thyatira, a seller of purple goods who was a worshiper of God. The Lord opened her heart to pay attention to what was said by Paul, and after she was baptized, and her household as well, she urged us, saying, If you have judged me to be faithful to the Lord, come to my house and stay. And she prevailed upon us. As we were going to the place of prayer, we were met by a slave girl who had a spirit of divination and brought her owners much gain by fortune-telling. She followed Paul and us, crying out, These men are servants of the Most High God, who proclaim to you the way of salvation. And this she kept doing for many days. Paul, having become greatly annoyed, turned and said to the spirit, I command you in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. And it came out that very hour. But when her owners saw that their hope of gain was gone, they seized Paul and Silas and dragged them into the marketplace before the rulers. And when they had brought them to the magistrates, they said, These men are Jews, and they are disturbing our city. They advocate customs that are not lawful for us as Romans to accept or practice. The crowd joined in attacking them, and the magistrates tore the garments off of them and gave orders to beat them with rods. And when they inflicted many blows upon them, they threw them into the prison, ordering the jailer to keep them safely. Having received this order, he put them in the inner prison and fastened their feet in the stocks. About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the prisoners were listening to them. And suddenly there was a great earthquake, so that the foundations of the prison were shaken. And immediately all the doors were opened, and everybody's bonds were unfastened. When the jailer woke and saw that the prison doors were open, he drew his sword and was about to kill himself, supposing that the prisoners had escaped. But Paul cried with a loud voice, Do not harm yourself, for we are all here. And the jailer called for lights and rushed in, and trembling with fear, he fell down before Paul and Silas. Then he brought them out and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? And they said, Believe in the Lord Jesus, and you will be saved, you and your household. And they spoke the word of the Lord to him and to all who were in his house. And he took them the same hour of the night and washed their wounds, and he was baptized at once, he and all his family. Then he brought them up into his house and set food before them. And he rejoiced along with his entire household that he had believed in God. But when it was day, the magistrates sent the police, saying, Let those men go. And the jailer reported these words of Paul, saying, The magistrates have said to let you go. Therefore, come out now and go in peace. But Paul said to them, They've beaten us publicly, uncondemned men who are Roman citizens, and have thrown us into prison. And do they now throw us out secretly? 
No, let them come themselves and take us out. The police reported these words to the magistrates, and they were afraid when they heard that they were Roman citizens. So they came and apologized to them, and they took them out and asked them to leave the city. So they went out of the prison and visited Lydia. And when they had seen the brothers, they encouraged them and departed. For today's Nugget of Truth, we're going to focus here on the Philippian jailer's conversion that takes place. And in this account, we see something that is kind of a principle that we can see in other places, and I believe to be true in my life today, in terms of the way in which Paul and Silas and the individuals act in a situation, setting them up for an opportunity to explain the gospel. So it takes place here with this great earthquake and the miraculous opening of the doors and the miraculous unfastening of the bonds on the prisoners, this jailer assumes that these prisoners have escaped. And he also knows that the penalty for losing track of his prisoners he was supposed to be keeping track of would be a very painful and a very merciless death. And so he assumes, hey, I'm just going to go ahead and kill myself here because that's going to be the best possible outcome for me in this situation. Yet Paul calls in and says, hey, don't harm yourself. We're all here. And so the jailer comes in to figure out what's going on and immediately understands that something supernatural has taken place. We know that there's two real big contributing factors to this. The first being that this earthquake has taken place. So obviously this is some sort of divine intervention. It is some sort of more than manpower situation that's taking place. And that accompanies this miraculous opening of the doors. And so there is something significant that's taking place, causing all these doors to open. And so this individual would take that as well as then possibly the greater miracle in terms of his mind is that the prisoners are all still there. Instead of them fleeing, instead of them leaving when these doors open, most likely running away in their shackles or other things like that that they have, instead of those people leaving, they're still present. That's possibly the greater miracle in this individual's mind at this moment. And this really displays a significant item that we really need to focus on here in terms of an individual's ability to act against cultural norms, setting up an opportunity to display the gospel. And while certainly this situation is a much larger divine appointment that's taken place that is here recorded in scripture, we have on a daily basis the opportunity to make decisions that display the fact that we are not going to succumb to cultural norms, that we're not going to respond in certain ways, but instead that we're going to understand the totality of what God has commanded us to do and the ability that he has given us to display the gospel in our lives. And so what do I mean by that? When Paul and Silas are sitting here in prison, they understand that God is using this as a gospel situation for them to display that truth to others. Certainly they're displaying that to those who they're in prison with as they're praying and singing hymns to God and all of the other prisoners are there listening. They're taking advantage of this situation and saying, how can I put the gospel on display despite the circumstances that I'm in? And I believe when we ask that question in our lives, we're able to use any circumstance or any situation to allow us to respond in a way that others would say, hey, why are you doing this? 
giving us an opportunity to explain the gospel. It's exactly what Paul and Silas did here. The doors are open, the shackles fall off, they could walk right out of that prison. Yet as they sit there and they wait for the next thing that takes place, as they prepare to respond in this countercultural way to display the importance of the gospel and to allow the gospel to take the center stage in what's taking place in their lives. And so as they do this, they display for us this opportunity that when we live counterculturally and when we live in this way, it allows us an opportunity to explain the truth of the gospel. And so they're able to put the gospel on display by doing that. And so we have that same opportunity as we choose to respond in ways in which our culture does not value. Maybe it's that we're valuing individuals in society that are considered unvaluable. Or maybe we're being kind to others who are being mean to us. Maybe we're responding in other ways that display that there's some other form of thinking taking place that then sets us up with an opportunity to use the words of the gospel to meet this person in their need and to hopefully allow the Spirit to transform their heart. And as we do that, we're really taking these gospel opportunities to the next level, displaying that we understand that whatever takes place in our life is an opportunity for us to put the gospel on display. As we seek to give hope and offer joy to those in the watching world as they wonder, how can you live like this? How can you choose to respond in this way? We then have the great privilege and the great opportunity to explain to them the truth of the gospel and how that liberates us from the bondage of slavery to our sin that then allows us to respond rightly to what God has called us to do and to be a light and to be on mission for him. So hopefully that's an encouragement for you today. Hopefully as you read this passage and as you read other places in scripture where we see specifically here in the book of Acts that these individuals are responding in these crazy ways, hopefully you see that as an opportunity and an encouragement for you to live counterculturally for the cause of the gospel wherever God has you today. As far as question from this passage, there's many questions that we could focus in on. But I really want to focus here on the question of why was Timothy circumcised if the previous chapter had just said that's not necessary? So we see in this chapter, it says specifically that it was well known that his father was a Greek. And so if they had not done this, they would have assumed that he had passed on all of the heritage of the Jewish people and would not have been allowed to be in the synagogues and other places that these Jewish individuals had met. And so it was for the sake of those people and for the sake of the gospel that he chose to have the circumcision take place that then would allow him to be able to do those things. I believe it's a display of what we read about later in 1 Corinthians 9, 22 through 23, where it says, To the weak I become weak, that I might win the weak. I have become all things to all people, that by all means I might save some. I do it for the sake of the gospel, that I may share with them in its blessings. And so we have Timothy and Paul here agreeing to this action for the sake of the gospel, knowing that it's the gospel that will benefit from this sacrifice and from this action that is taking place. It's not salvific in nature. It's not for the purpose of him gaining salvation or gaining a spot within the Christian faith, 
But instead, he's doing this for the sake of the gospel and how that will be extended to the Jewish people that they're going to come into contact with. And so I think that's just kind of something important for us to focus on because we just dealt with it in the last chapter. And now all of a sudden we're doing it again. It's like, wait, we made this decision. Why are we continuing to do this? I believe that offers a little bit of a strategic importance for why this event takes place as it does. So hopefully you have another question that you can look for an answer to. I know that there are many other questions that I wonder about this passage and would love to study further. And so hopefully you start to do that as you're studying God's word. You find those things you're curious about. You look for those answers. You talk about that with others. You use the resources around you so that you're constantly growing in your understanding of what God's scriptures are revealing to us and constantly living that out amongst the people around you. Know today you are loved. You're